We are back four and a half years later. It's the third episode of The Secret Genius of Robert Pollard, Pollard Cast. My name's Steve Schrader, and I'm uh, in a Los Angeles bungalow backyard with a special guest here today. Uh, his name is Jake Longstreth. Thank you for joining me, Jake. Steve, great to see you. Don't be afraid to lean in on that. Really stoked to be here. <laughs> and Jake and I are uh, longtime friends. We've known each other for half of our middle-aged lives at this point. And uh, one of the things that we share in common is a much too deep appreciation for Robert Pollard and everything he does. And so uh, it's only fitting that Jake joins me here to play a few Robert Pollard songs and uh, share some of his feelings about the most important musician to ever grace the planet Earth. Steve, I've known... Well, yeah, I've I've been in the GBV the entire time I've known you. I mean, I feel like us becoming friends is the same time period when I got really into GBV. And we yeah. started going to all those shows together. Mm-hmm. In 1996, my freshman year of college, I met Jake Longstreth at Lewis and Clark College in uh, Portland, Oregon. And I think in 97... We went to a show in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, Starfish Room. Which was my first GBV show, I think. And it was right after the original lineup had disbanded, and it was the Mag Earwig Tour, and they were touring with the Cobra Verde lineup. <laughs> yeah. That was a great show. I had, I had seen them earlier Ooh, that summer. Burning me. With uh, Jason Anderson. A free show in Central Park, and I had been listening to the records for a couple years at that point, pretty pretty obsessively, and I remember on the Greyhound bus down to New York with Jason, <laughs> him telling me that... You guys were both on the Greyhound? Yeah. He came down... It's fun. Better than solo. We got on the bus together, Greyhounded it down to New York, and I remember on the bus him telling me that Bob Pollard just did vocals... And I had no idea, you know, like kind of like, I mean, internet was around, but it was like, to, yeah. to some degree, sort of proto-internet or pre-internet era. I certainly wasn't in the habit of like Googling bands. Yeah. And that was a 
that was not a real common thing for bands at that time, right. especially alternative or indie rock music for right. someone just to be doing vocals live. It was certainly the era of sort of uh, navel gazing, playing your guitar and sort of looking down and not being uh, very performative or as extroverted. a frontman. frontman. And so I, I, I remember when I found that out, too, it was like, what? Yeah, I remember being initially very turned off by the, by the, by the thought of this guy, kind of graying guy in his late 30s, just sing, like just kind of swinging a mic around and, and being a, like a front man in the mode of, uh, you know, Roger Daltrey or Axl Rose or something like that. You know, yeah, because I mean, certainly like the concept of a lead singer, I associated with metal and classic rock. And so to have Guided by Voices bring that sort of extroverted aspect into this live rock show, very self-conscious, you know, indie rock context, was jarring and amazing. <laughs> In, I was instantly into it as soon as I saw it. When I heard about it, I thought oh, this was a terrible idea, and then when I saw it, it was instantly incredible. At Central Park, you were sold on the concept. Central Park, Slater Kennedy opening. Interesting. Free show. Did they do one of their like two hour long sets or sort of something truncated for the outdoor summer experience? I feel like it was like a full on set. I mean, you know, if, if memory serves, maybe not. It wasn't it wasn't like an epic. Yeah. Two plus hour, but maybe like hour 45. Well, I guess uh, I should uh, back announce the songs we heard. We opened with Club Molluska from same place the fly got smashed album 1990 sort of the last album that where they were a completely hidden band where they were in Dayton Ohio doing their thing with no outside attention yeah and then the year following or, or, or maybe it was 92 92 he they were they recorded and were putting out propeller with the with the concept that that would be it for this hobby and then that got the attention of matt sweeney and a few other people who spread it around right and on from there and after club molluska we heard haha ha man the full band sort of big band version from suitcase one there is a different version on tonics and twisted chasers we're gonna get right back into the pollard tunes this is indian fables from fast japanese spin cycle EP 7 inch 1994 I need to order south yeah. in attempt to burn my bridges way down to the The perfect and sometimes cruel impartiality of the sun. I thought I was dropping the bomb, dropping the bomb. Although she was likely to know, she was likely to know, likely to know. 
that was Thinks <laughs> from uh, late mid '90s. It was a B-side. Appeared on a Japanese version of "Under the Bushes Under the S- Stars." Yeah, and um, before that, we heard "Dropping uh, the Bomb." Dropping the bomb from Suitcase Three. That's uh, to me. That sounds like maybe. Late 90s, early 2000s. I hear you. No year listed on the liner notes <laughs> of Suitcase 3, so it's a mystery. But actually, that, I feel like, is kind of a cool decision on their part, not to list the years. Because then the Suitcase collection becomes just this like sprawling work of, of uh, songs drawn from the last 30 years. And it becomes kind of a, like an interesting, sort of like for deeper Pollard scholars, like, and you need to be a Pollard scholar if you're listening to Suitcase 3. <laughs> and that's why we're here. That, exactly. To suss through and find and play Dropping the Bomb for you and to make a guess at what time uh, it's from. The first song we heard was Indian Fables, uh, like we announced before. And uh, one thing that I want everyone out there to know about my friend uh, Jake Longstreth, co-hosting here with me today... Um, now, Jake is not a musician by profession, but he played in a few bands in his day and um, right. some, you know, original uh, works. Uh, at, at one point, he he uh, he joined what I think is believed to be the first uh, Guided by Voices cover band. And it's, it's one of the most well-known. It's called Giant Bug Village out of Portland, Oregon. And they're uh, fronted by a fellow named Stan McMahon, who in on the B-1000 tour, some in Eugene, right. Oregon, right. met up with the band and played in 94, played all these Pollard songs for... Pollard somebody was like man you got to hear this guy he knows all your songs and then that night (laughs) Pollard was like you're going on ahead of us and so he did a set of like 12 songs acoustically before GBV played which is one of the weirdest (laughs) concepts if you're out of band you know which at this point they're just sort of getting known nationally their first big national tour I think and you go and see a guy do acoustic covers of some of the songs you're hearing later in the night (laughs) So after that, I think Stan toured around with him, and then he started this this cover band with with the Chandler Brothers and a few other people, and they've been a lot of members throughout the years. But Jake joined. When did you join? I had a brief stint in Giant Bug Village. Oh, it was noteworthy, brief but noteworthy, on rhythm guitar. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> um, I think this was I want to say, geez, in two thousand, okay, two thousand one, probably played half dozen shows. No, a couple more than that. Really? Okay. I believe it. Eight, no, it was it was eight to ten. It was so fun. And did you play at Burbati's Pan when the the band that when Giant Bug Village opened for? No. Oh, <laughs> but but Jason, our friend Jason, was in Giant Bug Village you... at the time, and we were at the Burbati show. That would have been ninety eight, ninety nine. Ninety nine, I think. And um, I remember, I remember Jay felt some hesitation about that. Thought it was weird to open for the band with the right. cover band, and it definitely, and that was full cover band opening for full real band. 
Yeah. And it definitely had like that, or like the quality of that moment was sort of like that Seinfeld episode, where they're casting, where like the the plot is where George and Jerry are making a sitcom about <laughs> uh-huh. themselves, and they're casting other people to play Kramer and Elaine and George, and there's like these other Kramers and Elaines and Georges on. Yeah. Anyway. It kind of had that quality. Because Stan McMahon is a little bit of a, like the bizarro world Robert Pollard. Right. Yeah, Stan's actually older than Bob Pollard yeah. by a couple years. But but at the time, I think Giant Bug Village sort of had the policy of playing sort of deeper cuts mm-hmm. that, that That's uh, true. Guided by Voices didn't play. Yeah. Box material, B-sides. Exactly. Which is a cool concept. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Sort of like this uh, podcast come to life. For sure. Remember we played uh, Back to Saturn X? Um, (laughs) I think we did a a, a full band version of of Cold? Yeah. So, yeah, so this would have been 2000, 2001 that we were doing this. Right around... Right after Suitcase One, exactly. That's where, like, I'm cold. I know you guys did Perch Warble. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Perch Warble. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you 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 had fun playing it? It was great. I mean, the songs were so simple. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you could learn the song in about forty five seconds, <laughs> generally, for the most part, and then you know, within a few minutes, you're you're just kind of cranking through a full band version. And, you know, we were in Paul Chandler's basement. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. Within a couple of minutes, it was just sort of like, we're just blowing through four or five songs. Everyone knows the material already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Who was the drummer when you were in the band? <laughs> <laughs> We'll come back to Shit, that. Steve, that's a <laughs> terrific question. Well, it's been 10 plus years. <laughs> okay, let's play another song. This one is from Tonics and Twisted Chasers, which is a really interesting album. was a fan club only release around like 95. 95. And it's this group of songs that are recorded with drum machine and basically just Bob Pollard. What sounds like an electric guitar straight into the four track. (laughs) It's arguably the worst sound. Well, I would say it's a top three worst sounding GBV record. And but somehow it's one of the best collections of songs. Agreed. It's just it's it's maybe there's 20 songs on the album or something, and and 15 of them are songs that you're classic stoked every time (laughs) to hear. Like oh this one. So we're gonna hear. Dayton, Ohio, 19-something and five.
That was so high from the Donut for a Snowman 7-inch 2011 reformed Guided by Voices, the band. And now part of that song, the recorder part, was in Donut for a Snowman. Uh, but with GBV, so many snippets from songs are reused another thing or songs have other versions that sound somewhat like or not at all like or a little bit like it seems like that guy's brain is just constantly churning and changing cannibalizing his own material yeah uh but before so high we heard A life and finer clothing life and finer clothing from the plantations of pale pink which is by the way just an amazing title a life in finer clothing. <laughs> it's pretty haughty. It's a 75 second song. And uh, before that, we heard Zoom. Right. That has some subtitle. That's from a, a seven inch called Zoom from 2005. I believe it's Zoom in, the, in parentheses. It happens all over the world. Yeah. And that one will get stuck in my head for three days in a row. Uh white skin and bone. that one has like a real kind of kinks vibe yeah and we started that set of songs with what jake dayton ohio 19 something and five an all-time classic for me we're deep in that song really taps into like kind of existential malaise yes it's a hazy day in 19 something and five so it could be i mean he wrote that song in Presumably in 1995, but it could have been about existence yeah. in 1985 or 75, 65, just like having a cookout on a hazy day. The recording feels hazy. It's got the sort of like listless drum machine, mm-hmm. but somehow there's like a soft, lazy beautiness, beautiful beauty to it. For sure. For sure describing uh the like drive-through liquor stores of dayton ohio and maybe the day is so hot that the the tar is bubbling and sort of filling the air with a acrid Mm -hmm. smell uh i guess we'll kick back into it right now with a song from the album uh, Robert Pollard and the Soft Rock Renegades, maybe 2001 or something? 2000? Sounds, sounds about right. This song is called Seventh Level Shutdown. <laughs> Yeah. 
that was never the song title uh, from the Hardcore UFOs box set, disc three, titled Delicious Pie and Thank You for Calling, which is a reworking of a lyric from the song Big Boring Wedding from Uttbutts. As it is colloquially known amongst (laughs) the Pollard people. Otherwise known as Under the Bushes, Under the Stars, 1996, co-produced by Kim Thiel, Steve Albini. (laughs) Steve, I think it's worth mentioning. Oh, no, no. Before we get into the... Like, the previous song was... um, Crutch Came Slinking. That's right. Off the... uh, King Shit and the Golden Boys. Box. Yeah, from the first of five Guided by Voices box sets have been released up until this point. And just as a quick clarification or reminder, if you've come this far, and we're not playing any songs from proper Guided by Voices albums after 1990. We're not playing anything from the 16 albums released under the Guided by Voices name. We're only playing stuff from before that, from before they were nationally recognized in any way, or B-sides box set cuts, um, things from small EPs, seven inches, Robert Pollard's solo projects, side Robert, projects, yeah, collaborations or any of the, uh, hundreds of thousands of Robert Pollard detritus that's released into the world. Um, so yeah, crutch came slinking from King shit and the golden boys, disc five of the box box set, the first box set that compiled the first, uh, four, GBV albums from the 80s and 1990. And I would guess that the last time we played Never and Crutch Came Slinking, both circa 89-90. Crutch is very... Crutch is such a poppy, like... It's like a 60s song filtered through some sort of... Drunken Sunday afternoon basement energy. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Weiser would bust a gut at that one. Yeah, Nick Weiser. And that's one of my favorite things about GBV. It's once you, like, dive into the universe, there's this cast of characters surrounding Pollard that reveals itself. You know, Jim Pollard, all the various band members. uh, 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 Who is the old guy, the dude who would bring out the the case of beer? Oh, Pete Jamison, manager for life. (laughs) Yeah, which um, wasn't a name that, became true well, but it, well it's funny because i remember because i was speaking earlier about the first time i saw them in central park and i remember uh after slater kinney had played before gbv took the stage i remember this like balding middle-aged man with a pot belly wheeled out this cooler of beer <laughs> that had gbv written in duct tape on the top of it and i remember just thinking and he, he bald on top but long hair on the sides kind of like a gallagher look yep and I remember just thinking, oh, my. I was maybe 20 at the time. And it just looked so extreme and weird to me. I mean, I think, and that's part of what, and I think maybe what turned some people off to, to Gotta Buy Voices was yeah. what attracted them to me, which is that it was this, like, very outside sort of the the typical milieu of indie rock. Yeah. Well, and, and like the Nick Weisers, you know that, Pollard is surrounded by these sort of like jocks and drunken buddies, guys who work at the GM plant. Sandpaper and, factory. <laughs> yeah, and, Mitch Mitchell worked at the sand. Yeah. And and that uh, 
that Robert Pollard sort of pulls the this combination of triumphant rock and sort of melancholic beauty out of for sure this life that's surrounded in some of the most typical and um, very like un uh, unextraordinary circumstances. It could be like anywhere and any group of ex football dudes who get together right. to to play pool or darts and get drunk and do nothing special. But in this group, somehow there's this there there is now you know thousands of songs that sort of <clears throat> create an uh, archaeology exactly no that's a great word no it's very kind of novelistic of of this um group of men this community and families <laughs> <laughs> the men being the closest to the material because they're around drinking and and i think you know when i was in my 20s and i was sort of exposed to this it was so i mean I know the word sort of authentic, authenticity is a sort of a troubled and subjective term that people throw, throw around in the context of art. But for me, and still to this day, I mean, it was some of the, of the sort of most, like, like they're like the fact that they were older yeah. and from the Midwest and I had never lived there. And maybe I was sort of romanticizing this sort of like working class mid, like middle America vision in my in, in my head but it, well, there is no reason it lent it sort of a gravitas and authenticity that as much as i love other bands from that period yeah the, uh people in their 20s in new york and la there's right. almost an expectation of creativity that they <clears throat> produce something and that and that leads to there's sort of being a, a put on or inauthentic right. feeling but there's no reason why Pollard had to do this. Right. He could have slipped away into the Dayton nothingness. He had a fine job being a teacher. And, you know, and so that lends, I think, to the authenticity. Yeah, for sure. There, you know, America would have never known. <laughs> Dayton would have never known. And his, like, people close to him, it, it would have just... If he had never continued on, right. he would have had a life. So right now we're going to play three songs that all come from a similar era. Uh, what what? It's like 87, you're guessing? Yeah, Jake? I would say 87. Uh, all three songs are off the first suitcase. And they all sort of from a, a, a theoretical lost period that would have, you know, had propeller and the and the success afterwards happened these songs with that would have never been heard by more than five people right uh and now they've been heard by you know 1500 people <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible material that show one aspect of yeah of the many uh, sides of pollard and and we're sort of like zeroing in on a couple different sides today but there's so many more that we will that there that we won't be able to cover today right and this is one of my favorite sides this is sort of the jang jangly existential malaise side a little kind of early rem influence yeah real melodic recorded at home so first we're going to hear a long way to run and uh after that we're going to hear where i come from another song sort of about life in and around Dayton, 
And then the last song is, or the third song in the set will be My Feet's Trustworthy Existence, which is a song about following the creative muse. <laughs> Enjoy.
mountain flight There where the angels come to greet you Notify the minister right now Man, beast and his probe have cut down the sacred cow But maintain a Puritan state of mind Came through close encounters of a very different kind They learn what's instructed them They eat what is cooked for them They stay in their houses if they want to Live a wasted life Sometimes the wind can blow us on Silence and sorrow in the weights of No longer smothering the skin No further torturing the soft heart Other times my feet just gotta run Feet must know happiness and hands must have fun This is why I trust where they must go Anywhere is lovely when I rub my magic toe And drink from a bottle long Think of another song and make it sound nice Cause I don't want to Live a wasted life A wasted life That was My Feet's Trustworthy Existence, Where I Come From, and Long Way to Run. And, uh, but if you've ever seen GBV live, which uh, a lot of people have, it's a big rock and roll show, which we haven't really been playing that stuff so far today, but that is a huge other part of the GBV experience. And when Jake and I were exposed to the band, um, Doug Gillard, formerly of uh, the bands Jim and Death of Samantha, had just joined with, with a group of other guys. But Doug was, uh, is maybe the longest running member of GBV. He came in in 96 and lasted until the end in 2004. Right. And w- is one of Pollard's biggest collaborators of all time and, and sort of the the rock god of GBV during that, the the second main era or the big uh, well-known era in live GBV. For better or worse. I I, I tend to think for better. I mean, a a lot of people saw GBV going the mag earwig and do the collapse era and thought they were losing some of their um, homespun charms or, 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 or character in the recordings. But I think Doug always uh, did interesting things, and, uh, and that's really shown in, in some of he and Pollard's one-on-one collaborations, like the Speak Kindly for Your Volunteer Fire Department album and, and the first Lifeguards album. Um, yeah, Speak Kindly is maybe my favorite Gillard-Pollard collaboration. Including the GBV records. Whoa. 
Yeah, Speak Kindly is another one that's kind of like Tonics and Twisted Chasers. Yeah, it's a little more casual. But it's just like so packed full of hits that, um, or, well, and, and like when you first heard Speak Kindly, there's like four or five really big pop songs on that album that you're like, wow, why we haven't heard anything this kind of direct and powerful from Pollard in a while, like um, uh, uh, Frequent Weaver Burns. And, and, and now I don't, so now I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's an amazing album. But then after those sort of, you forget about those or, or their pop sheen rubs off, that album is so deep with mm-hmm. uh, slow, soft, beautiful moments as well. But um, Gillard who brought much more of a kind of 70s and Zeppelin influence. Um, yeah, a very technically accomplished guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've covered, for better or worse. But, yeah, so... So, we're... This, gonna... Well, I was going to say, a little background. This record was one of those records, and it's something that Pollard's done a number of times throughout his career, is he's he has a, a collaborator record a bunch of instrumental tracks, send the tapes to him, and then he does vocals over them. Yeah. Now it's unclear to me to, to the extent to which they had maybe had had co-written some of those songs beforehand, or if it was just strictly instrumental tracks that Gillers made up on the fly, and Pollard had never heard them before and did vocal. I, it, it's unclear. Anyway, we're gonna play two to cuts off that. Yeah, he's also done records like that with uh, Mac from Superchunk. Uh, Go back, Snowball was the name of that. O two. There's a project with Richard Davies, the Australian. A musician that one's called Cosmos. Uh, there's is, been a couple. Is more the Keen Brothers well. record in that same mode? I think so. Was I think so? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna play um, Pop Zeus, which is sort of one of those big pop songs from the record, followed by Messiahs, which to me gives me a uh, really reminds me of Physical Graffiti era Zeppelin, <laughs> and um, follow that up with the uh, B side. Uh, Pipe Dreams of Instant Prince Whippet, which was on the uh, Everywhere with Helicopter 7-inch, and also the the name of uh, an EP which collected all the um, Universal Truths and Cycles B-sides onto a single EP, and which is actually a really great 10-song cycle. Uh, so let's get into this more rock side of Pollard and Gillard.
The pipe dreams of instant Prince Whippet announcing the map with the adequate monitoring system. She can hear herself whistling through a mirror on the other side, and I'm now specifically. Dreams of Instant Prince Whip It. <laughs> and before that was Messiah's. And before that, Pop Zeus. And uh, that'll about do it for us today. And I want to thank you, Jake, for joining me here today. Steve, this has been so much fun. To talk about our one true uh, true love in this world, Robert Pollard. I when, Four and a half years ago, when I first listened to your... <laughs> Secret, Se- Secret Genius of Robert Pollard podcast. I 
had a fantasy of doing an episode with you. Well, it took... I'm so glad I could bring your <laughs> dreams to life. Now, Jake, I want to ask you, what is it that keeps bringing you back to this sort of endless fountain of material that almost seems totally impenetrable? Like, I know... And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're 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 trying to find the the next thing to hold on to and Pollard and and it's and, and there's it's it's hard to find the thing to grab onto you. There sometimes you'll just be in the wrong mood. You'll put on a Pollard release and you're like, oh, this is not it. <laughs> this this Moses on a snail is not doing it for me today. This is harsh. Pollard. That's a tough record. Have it anymore. That's a tough record to connect with. But I almost feel that there's always a point. Where or or there's always like oh wow man I there there are a couple songs on this thing, or the next record is the one that you really get a hold of. Yeah, I mean, I think with any any you know any artist with voluminous output, it's uh, it's a, it's sort of a double-edged sword because it's it once it, it you know like 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 on one hand it's a complete turnoff. Yeah, and on the, on the other hand, it's I, I can't. Well, I think it's interesting with Pollard because um, clearly, at, at one point in his career in the mid '90s and and before and and after that, he did a really incredible job of editing his material, and um, he and most yeah. of the output was pretty accessible at this point, and and. Like we said with the Gillis stuff, it, it comes with its pros and its cons. He's sort of decided that that's that's not the interesting or fun part of of doing what he does now. And now he makes stuff and puts it out, right? And sort of lets the public decide or like suss yeah. out what's going to be of value. And and it's certainly not the same percentage of of uh, great songs as it once was. But but I still think there are a lot of great songs being released. You know, and that and that's what the secret genius of Robert Pollard cast is here to do. Like we played a lot of older material today, but I I've got a lot of songs from albums in the last six years that I'm going to play in future episodes. So you folks keep on coming back. <laughs> that was a long sales pitch. I didn't mean it to be, but so what we're going to do is close it out now with two uh, two buttes beauties beats first we got spring tigers spring tiger spring tigers from the get out of my stations ep seven inch um and then close it out with what's the closer jake power blessings Mm. off 1999's kid marine one of my favorite robert pollard songs one of my favorite songs of all time for sure kid marine is one of those albums that i think is uh, perfect really on its own like he really made of something with a vision and it works and and that one is incredible so thanks again for joining me jake steve it's been amazing i hope we can do this again super fun i'd love to and uh so put together your list your next list of deep deep cuts will do all right spring tigers power blessings the secret genius of robert pollard thank you Good evening, she calls for time.
Take that speed and get to know 